Hi guys, what's up? It's Brittany and welcome to Randomness. We are going to be talking a little bit about embracing your chaos and mess. A messy life is a full life, of course. If your kitchen is in a mess, that means you live out of it. And that means good fuel for your growing family. You don't order fake out. Yes, that's right. Fake out. Take out to fake out. Get it? (laughs) Anyway, each night and you sometimes even grill vegetables and fried chicken, it makes a mess. That mess is a byproduct of healthy bodies. You feed your family well. And the science behind that is clearly beneficial. So go you. Maybe your mess is more internal. It has more to do with that not good enough, disorganized feeling that you have when you see other moms or dads do it all. And you wonder, how on earth Superwoman over there is so ridiculously superhuman? Sometimes you even find yourself going to bed with a disappointing feeling that something's missing. You know, maybe you have thoughts creep in like, I'm not enough for my child, even though I'm a stay-at-home mom. I feel so helpless. Guess what? You're not alone. So many of us out there have the same thoughts. So here are three ways to tackle those not good enough feelings that don't deserve the time that you give them. Number one, choose to be grateful for the reason behind your chaos and mess. When you invest all your time and energy into being present with your family, sometimes, well, many of the times maybe, it can be a challenge to do the behind the scenes work. No one on the outside is punishing you for that. Only you are punishing you. So choose gratitude for a house littered with toys because the children have toys to play with at all. You know, that's a good thing. Choose gratitude for a long list of chores and admin that you have because without your sweet family, that list would be so much shorter. And although maybe life would be simpler, it would be a lot more dull too. Choose gratitude for your partner, the same one who might nag you, forget things promised to you, and who might not always communicate that well with you. There is something about your partner that is a silver lining because without them, you would struggle even more. Maybe the trash gets taken out without you asking, or the bills get paid on time. Maybe it's just that they provide an income for the family. Or maybe there's a bunch of things that get done without you even realizing it. But whatever it is, choosing to be grateful for three things a day in your crazy beautiful life will help you find your silver lining and stop your inner voice from telling you you are no good. Number two is do one thing at a time. Like slow down, breathe, gain perspective, 
Leave your phone in the other room when you're with your kids. Schedule your time in your calendar and really be present when you're needed. Be a listener when your family needs you to listen and be a real and genuine parent when you have parent-teacher evenings. You know, no one's perfect. And be an encourager when your partner has a rough day. How do you do all this? Well, by doing one thing at a time. And Dr. Caroline Leaf, who is a well-known cognitive neuroscientist, explains it like this. The truth is that it is actually impossible to multitask. We don't do multiple things at once. We actually shift between different tasks quickly. If we do this well, when we are doing busy well, but if we are doing busy badly, we are doing what I call milkshake multitasking. We call it literal neurochemical chaos in our brain, which in turn causes literal brain damage. What? Say what? Brain damage? We don't want that, do we? No, 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 no. So do what the lady said and what I said. Okay, guys, thank you. Anyway, moving on, number three, create a to-do list and a completed list. You know, this will help you to see what you have accomplished in your day. I mean, I have days when all that is completed on my list is doing the laundry. Before I had a to-do list and a completed list, I used to feel inadequate and helpless. And now I give myself a freaking high five on those days. When I accomplish, when all I accomplish is one thing. Maybe for you, it's just getting out of bed. Put that one thing on your completed list and watch it grow along with your confidence. No more guilt trips from your inner voice. No more bad feelings. You know, all of us have those feelings of inadequacy from time to time. Don't let them creep in unnoticed. Don't let them grow by giving them energy and focusing on them. So maybe you could just try these three ways to gain confidence and confidently take charge of your family life again. And the best part is knowing that your children are watching too and they will learn how to gain confidence and take charge just by watching you. Yes, 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 yes. All right, guys, now we're going to switch it up just a teeny bit. And we're going to talk about family triggers and some mindful techniques to help you respond with skill and wisdom instead of reacting impulsively. Okay, so think back to a family birthday, a reunion, a holiday, you know, a time when many of us head home or host family to eat dinner, drink some booze, and hang out with the family members. We pretty much intentionally don't see the rest of the year. 
What could possibly go wrong, right? Well. Well, yeah, so. I'm fortunate. Fortunate in that not all of my family members are awful. And, um, they are fairly, fairly, you know, easy to get along with. And sometimes they're even fun. However, that does not mean that I don't sometimes get triggered. It seems as though in these modern times, a lot of us are well defended and operate via our well-established defense mechanisms and storylines that impact how we relate to others, especially family. Underlying this is an I versus you mentality as opposed to a we perspective. Couple that with the modern political and global state of affairs up for discussion at the dinner table, how can we not get triggered? Anyway, a trigger is a, re- a reaction that is more instinctive and immediate, lacking our typical skill or thought that has ties to our conditioning of the past. And even if the intentions beneath our mother-in-law's commentary are, you know, innocent, it might still be interpreted as condescending. Maybe because we are hypersensitive to these comments based on past interactions. At the point our conditioning takes over, our amygdala amps up, which is, you know, the little almond in our brain that detects danger and tells us or tells our fight or flight reactions to kick in. However, it's not the best at determining when danger is real or not. It's like the fire alarm in your apartment. It, if, it, if it detects smoke, it goes off. However, that smoke might be from burnt toast, not a real-life fire. So let's just use these three mindful approaches with the roots in Buddhist psychology to look at how we might approach challenging, you know, interactions with family. These are, one, having fixed views, two, bearing witness, and three, taking compassionate action. So, having a fixed view or knowing what's right, it often gets us in trouble by limiting our response flexibility. Why are we so attached to being right? Why do we always insist on knowing? This is our habit. When we know and the person we are engaged with also knows, suddenly both parties are limited in how they can respond. And more often than not, the result of everyone knowing is digging in our heels and reinforcing the you versus me or this sense of separateness that only serves to disconnect. We've all had the experience of taking a stand and defending it and how rigid and tense that feels. Compare that to when it feels okay to be wrong and the lightness one feels when being certain isn't necessary. You know, like taking a playful approach, Zen mind, beginner's mind is an infamous literary piece exploring the benefits and wonder 
of intentionally seeing things with fresh eyes. Entering into a room or a conversation with a not knowing outlook can lend itself to a lightness of energy that influences the dynamic. And I think to be wise is to realize you pretty much don't have anything figured out. Now, bearing witness is just what it sounds like, witnessing whatever is unfolding before us. And instead of getting lost in our storylines of judgment, fantasy, resentment, and blah, 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 we practice allowing the feeling to exist without needing it to be other than it is because we understand the impermanence of it. We are learning that is that this is our fixed view taking shape. We practice not making our problems such a big deal. It's taking on the beginner's mind, not knowing what's good or bad. This is really taking the study of our mind's conditioning to another level. We practice noticing the tendency to judge and have expectations, being present, not adding a story. Okay, all right, so. And then lastly, we can take an action that is wise, compassionate, and skillful. We can choose how to respond in a difficult moment, in a challenging situation, choosing a thoughtful response that has its roots and not knowing and bearing witness looks much different from an instinctive reaction based on our old stories. And this is taking care of how we relate to ourselves and others. This is acting from heartfulness, choosing the response with roots in compassion for yourself and the one next to you, knowing that causing the least amount of harm is the right choice. And when we do get irritable with family, you know, your grandma says the same thing you've heard over and over and over, but instead of reacting with frustration, you perfect the eye roll. That physical act of eye rolling does something to our nervous system that inclines us to stay light and playful. You've created space that allows for ideas and opinions without penetrating that place within you that you stay connected to, that reservoir that you can dip into in order to maintain your inner peace. All of this takes practice and courage. It takes courage to be with anxiety and to be with not knowing. It takes courage to bear witness to difficult feelings without acting on them. It's not easy to acknowledge that we mostly operate out of past conditioning, clinging to certain outcomes, having all sorts of expectations that don't serve anyone. So, if we can practice being courageous with the present moment, witnessing our frustration and joy, our pleasure and pain, our moments can take on a sense of richness and vitality. We are really with our family at Christmas or a birthday without needing them to be anyone other than who they really are. And I mean, isn't that what family is all about? I think that's correct, guys, don't you? All right. 
And that is it for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Please make sure to hit that follow button and I'll talk to you guys later. Have a beautiful day. Bye, guys.